It is. It still amazes me to walk on this stage. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. I love you guys. I love that we get to call this our church. That it is my church. It is your church. We are Wellspring Church. This is great. Growing up, I always loved the story of an unlikely hero. It's March Madness. If you guys filled out any tournament uh, brackets, you've probably had your tournament bracket busted already. I had Notre Dame in the final four. Okay, I had them winning it all, and they lost last night, so... My, uh, my bracket's been busted. We love those unlikely heroes. And growing up, for me, I, I was on my uh, uh, soccer team in high school. And uh, we had this one guy that proved to be a very unlikely hero. His name was Pierre Orcott. And my, my uh, freshman year and the years before me, the team was atrocious. It was awful. But my junior year, we ended up winning the state championship. We had some freshmen and some sophomores that were really, really talented. And, and we unexpectedly made a run and, and won the whole thing. And Pierre Orcott, I loved him as a person. He was one, like, that kid in high school that's like wicked goofy, and, but you just kind of have to put up with him because he's just a really nice guy. He was that kid. I loved him. Great, great kid. But as a soccer player, he was awful. But he was on the team since he was a freshman when the team was awful, and so the coach just kept him on the team. I loved him as a person, but as a soccer player, not so much. He was just a messy soccer player. And, and here we are in the state semifinals, and the coach would just keep putting Pierre in, keep giving him playing time to give our stars a rest. And here we are in the state semifinals, and we need a breather, and the game is tied 1-1. And, and Pierre comes in the game to give some people a breather and on a corner kick ball from the corner, comes in, Pierre is just in the right spot at the right time, it bounces around, it ends up on his foot, and I'm on the, I was a goalkeeper on the other side of the field yelling, Pierre, you idiot, shoot it, kick it, and he did, and he, he scored the greatest just gimme goal ever, and it ended up being the game winning goal, and then he, then he runs over to the flagpole like this is the first goal he's ever scored, and, and he starts dancing on the, with the flagpoles like, Pierre, you idiot, get back, like we're, we gotta go, we gotta play soccer. A very unlikely hero. No one would have expected Pierre Orcott to win, to win the state championship for us, to win that semifinal game, and today we're going to look at Joshua too. We're going to look at another unlikely hero, somebody that God shows incredible mercy and love to. Last week we said take a challenge, take, take a step of faith and, and know that our God goes with you. And, and knowing that Israel is, is assumed next week or, or here on after, they're going to cross the Jordan River. And so Joshua is, is immediately acting. And so he sends some spies into the land to scout it out. Go, go look at Jericho. What's, what's coming for us? And so these, these spies go into the land, and they're, they're in Jericho, spying it all, and they come to a prostitute's house named Rahab. And it proves to be a very dramatic scene. The government of, of Jericho finds out. They send men to Rahab's house. Rahab responds to these men saying uh, about these spies when asked about it. She responds saying this in verse 4. But the woman had taken the two men and, and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I do not know where 
they were from. And she goes on to tell this, this whole story. They, they went off into the hills. If you hurry now, you can catch them when they're just hidden up on the roof. A lot of lives hang in the balance when, when this question is asked. What about these spies? Because if she, if she answers poorly, the, the government's not going to have any, any issue just killing Rahab, the prostitute. So she, if she answers poorly, she could die. Or, or she could make up some story like, um, like I'm hostage, like, uh, mm, and, 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 get the, and get the spies killed. There's so many people that can die in this situation. But Rahab chooses to show kindness. She doesn't rat them out. She protects her life and their life with this story and, and buys them some time. An opportunity fell right in her midst with these spies. And she had a decision to make. Whose allegiance am I going to align myself to? Jericho or something else? And she chose to show kindness. I, I recently, I, I know that at some point, God willing, we might outgrow this place. Woo! And so I've, uh, I've already begun prayer walking around different places. And, uh, and so I took the, the passage of Jericho, and I, I went and I was walking around, like, by that Coles, that old, like, food town, that, or food line, or food, whatever that thing is. Yeah, yeah. well, it's like a million dollars to lease that a year, so that might not be in our budget. Like, go ahead and drop a million in the plate, though, and uh, we don't pass a plate in the bucket. And uh, <laughs> these lights are fun. We're still learning it. And uh, <laughs> so here I am, prayer walking. And, and, and I'm asking God, like, God, like, help us to show kindness in our community. God, if, if we start this movement of kindness, pointing people to you, who knows what can happen? God, help us, help us to start this movement, showing love and to show kindness. God, I, I do desire someday for a building. And, God, I would love to, to, to walk into a building with a, with a gamut of people with me and, and, and start a movement of love. And I'm literally praying this, and I'm, I'm on the backside of the building and now I come over to the dumpsters, and I, I had just got done praying that, and I, I walk around. It's like lap five or something, and there's two people picking in the garbage, picking through the dumpsters. And I would love to say that I'm making this up, but I'm not. I walked by. But, I, you know, I did the nice pastor thing. Like, I gave him that, like, like you know, that, that head nod. And I walked by, and as soon as I passed them, God in his spirit just laid me out, you idiot, Jason. What were you just praying? And here's an opportunity right before you. And so I turned around and asked if they could use a meal. We had a conversation, and then thankfully we walked over to the Atlanta Bread and took care of them. But I had a decision to make, and at first I chose poorly and thankful for God's conviction to turn around. So my question in line of what's happened with Rahab is, who's in your midst to show kindness to? Have you taken that opportunity, or will you take that opportunity when it's presented before you? Because here's, here's what happens. Rahab start, says this to these men, and starting in verse 9, she says, I know, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that, the, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us. And all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Think about the weight of those words. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you. 
when, when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and Og, whom, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard of it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. The Canaanite prostitute said that of the Lord God. The spies go on to make the deal, hang a little red thing in your window, and when we come and the walls come down, we will protect everybody in your house. Anybody outside your house is not our responsibility. If you rat us out, the deal is over. They make the deal, and they, it's on an oath they do it. Do you hear the words of Rahab in that, in that passage? She refers to that, that the land is a done deal. This is, this is used in the perfect tense. This is, this is, it's not if the Lord was going to give you the land. It's already a sealed, it's done. It's, it's the Lord, this is your land. We know it. She refers to, to the mood in Israel. They're all afraid. Fear has gripped us. Everybody is afraid because we have heard that you're coming. They've heard, she's, she's heard such history. She's heard of Egypt and the Red Sea. That was years and years and years ago. But she heard about it. She heard about what happened to the Amorite kings, those Transjordan people we talked about last time that already had their inheritance. They, they won a battle to get their inheritance. She heard about that. She's heard about it all. And now she's viewing God as a deity Worthy of her recognition. Sure, she's in, she's in a pagan area, so maybe she's just adding God to her long lists of gods, but, but she's elevating him. She's respecting him. And she takes a step with all that she knows, all that she knows of God, the Lord God Almighty, she takes a step. Because she had a choice to make. If she didn't believe any of that, if she thought that it was all a bunch of nonsense, that when those men come to her door, she makes up a story and says, they're up there. Get them. But she chooses, she chooses to show herself and, re, and, and, and align herself with the king of the Israelites versus the king that she's been serving for years and years and years. She took a step of faith based on what she knows, and that was what gave her confidence to say, here's the deal that I am presenting before you. Make it on oath. In the name of this powerful God, make it. And the spies make the deal. The Israelite spies, they make the deal. Have you guys ever heard of what the Old Testament says about sexual sin? It's a big deal. They, they didn't look at Rahab and say, Rahab, like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I know that's how it works. But you know what? If, if you were a basket weaver, okay, we could make the deal. Rahab, if you were a blacksmith, deal is made. But Rahab, 
you're a prostitute, so that's where we have to draw the line in the sand. I'm sorry, we can't make that deal. That's not what they do. They don't look at her occupation and say, deal's off. They step in and they make the deal, choosing not to, to draw a line. Last, uh, last summer I had a Bible study. We went through the book of Acts, and in the book of Acts they pray all the time. They needed God to move like you and I need to, God to move. And so we, we are a church of prayer, and, and, and they were a church of prayer. And so we, we were talking about that in our, in our life group. And, and so we encouraged our people that week, 12 or so people, and we said, this week, why don't you go and pray with somebody that you haven't typically ever prayed with? Somebody that maybe offends you. Someone that maybe is a, is a messy person. Just give them the decency of praying with them. And so that was our challenge, and they went, and next week a lady comes back and says, Jason, this was incredible. I prayed with somebody that I am repulsed by. When I walk my dog, this person is super, super offensive and just so crude. He's one of those old fuddy-duddy guys. But I know that life has been hard for him, and so I just prayed with him. Prayed for him in all the hardships. She said, Jason, throughout the week, it broke down this, this wall. And, and he knew that I cared about him as a person. And so it, it, it turned into a friendship. So my question for you is, where do you draw a line? Where, where would you be willing to show kindness? And where would you be willing to pray with somebody? There's a, there's a gamut of people over here. There's a bunch of people over here. I'll pray with them. Some of them might even be a little bit messy, but but a prostitute or a drug addict or, or, or this person who's been in jail for many years because of this heinous sin, those people, they can rot. I won't show them love. Is that what Christ would do? Is that the example we're seeing here? I don't think it is. And so that's why we take it very seriously. One of our core values we have six of them. One of our core values is an all-inclusive gospel message, that the gospel is for everyone. Here's, here's our fun little line that we say with it. Can you think of a sin Jesus didn't die for? We can't. So is there going to be certain sins that we say, everybody, you're welcome, but not you certain people. We don't want to tell you about Jesus if, if, if this is what you're doing. We take this to heart, and we want, it, we want everybody to walk through our doors so that we can tell them about a God who gives you and I worth. Rahab probably was going about her business the night before. All she knows is how to be used and abused by men. And here's the deal, and two men or some spies said, you know what, we'll make the deal. This is maybe the first time in her life she has ever felt worth and decency because kindness was extended to her. And so these spies leave. They go back to, to Joshua. They debrief. They tell Joshua everything that happened. And what's awesome is think about your Joshua. You just heard the, the army that I'm about to take into this land, they're all really afraid. They know everything that's happened. Their hearts have melted how encouraging that must have been for Joshua as a leader. I think if this story in Joshua 2 shows us, tells us anything, it's this. It's a simple, simple truth that no one, no one is unlovable. 
No one. You can clap for that because it's true. I clap for truth. I dance up here when we're singing truth. So what about life after the deal? This is where it gets good. This is, this is where, like, I come alive. This is where I'm prancing over here ready to come on the stage because I know the best way to fight Satan, the father of lies, is to speak truth. That's how I fight. I get to come up here and preach truth. And what I'm about to say to you is truth, and I believe it to be life-changing. Joshua, Joshua 6, 25, they, they've circled Jer- Jericho a handful of times. Walls come down. I know I just spoiled our future sermon, but the walls are going to come down. And, and then here's what it says towards the end. It says, but Rahab the prostitute, her father's household, and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. Here, but here's the end. And she lived in Israel to this day. Because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Let me, let me fast forward one more time. Uh, I'm going to do it two more times. Matthew 1. Those genealogies that we tend to skip over that we don't want to read. In, in the beginning of the gospel, uh, Matthew is writing about all these people that led to Jesus. His, his genealogy, his family tree. And he says a bunch of names. Father of, of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of and Jesse, and then King David, and then Jesus. I'll give you one more. Hebrews eleven thirty one. This this section that talks about so many awesome people from the from the Old Testament scriptures, people that we could we'll look at them and emulate their faith because they were incredible men and women, showing exemplary faith. And whoa, Rahab. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. They show kindness to her, and it has a ripple effect for generations and generations to come. It leads to the Messiah that we celebrate today. This community takes her in. They didn't have to make that deal. They could have saved her and said, be on your way. That would have been nice and loving too. But they take her in. I don't believe that she goes about the, the business that, she's, that she calls her own, her occupation. Because if she had, Israel has some very strict laws in Leviticus. If she had continued to go about the, the business, odds are she's dead. They take it seriously. Apparently there's marriage. Uh, Apparently there's kids. Apparently there's kids who have kids and kids who have kids and kids. And then then there's Boaz and then there's Ruth and, and King David and Jesus. Because she becomes a part of the community. And then her faith is recognized. This, for for her, for Rahab, this simple act of being brought in changes everything for her. It completely changed the direction of her life because she was simply showed kindness. Why? Because no one's unlovable. Some of you walked in here today feeling like your past or what you did last night or Friday night was St. Patty's Day and you maybe threw a few back and did some really, like, they said, kiss me, I'm Irish, and I really took that to heart and I'm... I'm ashamed to be here this morning. But you have worth and you have 
a God that loves you. Your past doesn't damn you. It points to Jesus and the need for a Savior. See, this, this must have been problematic for, for the Israelites. They, I'm gonna show, we're going to show love to, to a prostitute. That's, that's not easy. We're going to take her in. That's not easy because Israel has all these tribes. We're going to take in some people from, from Canaan. Okay, where are we going to put her? Where are we going to put her and her whole family? What, what tribe is she going to be in? How is she going to interact in our society? She doesn't, she has a kind of understanding of her God, but kind of. Or, or what about when the nice little Jewish wife is, is walking down the streets with her, her nice little Jewish husband, and well, here comes Rahab. She used to be a prostitute. Honey, why don't you get on this side? Why don't you, why don't you just come over here for a second? Like what? This is hard. See, if, if, you're, if you're in the Jewish society and you're a purist, if you're that really, really religious person and you hear about this deal, aren't you having words with the spies? The religious purists would, would destroy the spies, but, but they welcome her in. Joshua welcomes her in, the leader. She couldn't have been more of an outsider, more unique, and they bring her in. So if you and I are going to take this to heart, and leave here letting Scripture affect us. Then I think there's a few things that we need to change in our thinking. And I think there's a few things that we need to change in our actions. Alright, so here's, here's a few things that I think, if, if no one truly is unlovable, here are a few truths I think you and I need to embrace as, as we leave here. First, it's this. We need to embrace the fact that I, outsiders may not be like us. And so I need to talk to us, us church folk for a second. There are going to be people that walk through our doors. I, your pastor, want them here. And they're going to walk through our doors and they're not going to speak Christianese. They don't know when to stand or sit. The pastor's dancing. He has ripped jeans. Oh my goodness, what is going on? They're not going to know. If we start using words like, oh, you need prayer, go talk to an elder. Like, what gray-haired guy am I going to find? <laughs> talk to a trustee. He'll help you with the building project. A trustee, where, what, what is going on? They don't, they're not going to know those words. If we start using some older words that some of us have grown up in the faith, if we start saying, well, just head to Fellowship Hall or head to the foyer or head to, like, where are those things and what are they? And so we want to make things obvious for our friends. We want to embrace the fact that they may not be like us. But here's the beautiful truth of the gospel. They come in outsiders and they embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they have the exact same standing before God as you and I. Let's embrace it. The second thing we need to embrace is that life's a journey. Life is a journey. They're going to come in our doors and God willing, they're going to say yes to Jesus and they're not going to instantly here on earth be perfect. They might still say bad, bad, no, no words. 
They might not know what to do right away. Are we okay with that? See, we, if we're going to embrace this church, this truth, then, then we understand that, that we need to pray for our friends and, and, and ask God and ask the Spirit to, to miraculously start to move in that person, to, to change their behavior, to be more like Jesus, but understanding that it's the process. It's a process. Jesus had disciples for three years. He dies on the cross, but all but one scatter. They're not heroes right away. It takes time. And so as God is working in us, I am not perfect. I do stupid stuff. When Notre Dame lost, I thought a whole bunch of stupid things. But life's a journey, and I'm growing, and I'm more like Jesus than I was yesterday, God willing. And so we need to embrace this truth for our friends as well, praying for them, expecting the Spirit to do what the Spirit does and move within them. Next thing we need to embrace is, you know what? God might actually use an outsider. That, that God's not only at work within the church. He's at, he's at work with those perhaps outside the church as he was with Rahab in Jericho. And that he might move and, and use those things to benefit the church. It's okay for God to be at, at work in the larger community. What she says boosts the morale of, of, of Israel and eventually leads to a victory at, at Jericho. Some activities, some activities that God does will end up benefiting the church. So here's, here's, here's a few things that I think we have to do. If we're going to embrace these three truths, here's, here's a few things that I think we must do. And if you're taking notes, I want you to be taking notes. Take notes. These are things that I think we need to leave here. They're actionable points. Do them. The first thing is this. Expand our mental horizons. Expand our thinking. Because people are going to walk in. They're going to be smelly. They might have dirty clothes. They might be unkept. They might make us uncomfortable by their mere appearance. But behind that unkept, stinky appearance, smelly body, is somebody that Jesus died for. And so here's what we need to do as they walk through our doors. We need to get to know them on their terms, not our terms, their terms. Show them the respect of that. Take their story seriously. Listen to them. Don't turn them into a project or a category. Get to know them as a human being because they're a human being. And if we do that, then, then I think it makes some of us uncomfortable. And so the next thing is we need to not only get past, for, uh, I'm sorry, get past version. Okay, I messed it up in my notes. I apologize. Um, it's right here. I didn't mess it up in my notes. I just went ahead when I got excited. <laughs> Get past first impressions. That's what I just said. I forgot to say the point. The second thing, the third thing we need to do is, is confess our reluctant nature. People are going to make us uncomfortable. I'm okay with inviting anybody from the community, and it's going to make us uncomfortable. And so we need to confess that before God. Who makes you uncomfortable? People will associate with you that... They perhaps doesn't have the same interests. 
Are you okay with that? They're going to make us uncomfortable because perhaps they, they demand more from you. You can tell somebody that has a past, and that's uncomfortable. Because it might mean that relationally I have to pour more into them, give them more time. And I'm busy. I got, I'm a taxi you know, throughout the week with my kids, and I don't know how I'm going to be able to give this person time. They make me uncomfortable. And so we need to confess before God that, that this isn't easy and ask for him, his help. Joshua models this. He lets her in to the nation of Israel. Jesus did it. He had dinner with all sorts of people. And he said, go into all the world. And share with them my love and share with them the gospel and baptize them. He didn't say go into all the world except for a few different communities. Go into all the world. And so Jesus modeled it for us. And so we need to pray. We need to sw- pray to swallow our pride and get our holy hands dirty. Jesus isn't embarrassed to have Rahab in his family tree. He's, he doesn't see her as a black guy, and so we need to confess our reluctant nature before God. The last thing we must do is this. Simply wow the outsider. And I know that one probably sounds the oddest of, of them all. But if we've said yes to Jesus, haven't we been wowed by him? And the number one thing that I hear from people outside of the church that, that can kind of understand God, but they point to, well, well, I knew this Christian, and he was really a jerk, and I knew this Christian, and, and he said this, but then did this, and, and they, they point to those things, and, man, can we be a church that loves people and breaks down those walls? Be used by God to wow people, to show them incredible Love, because that's what God has done for us free of charge. Not certain people, but for all, free of charge. And if we should do that, they're not doomed from their past. If we only love certain people, if we only want to wow certain people, then we say that, that God's church is only for a few. That it's an, instead of an inclusive club, it's an exclusive club. It's only for some. But I think Jesus said it. If I'm wrong, someone stop me. But I think he said, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. So my challenge for us this week, if we can take this all seriously, find one messy person. Don't tell them that you think they're messy. Like, they'll be like, hey, you're my one messy person. I want to love you this week. No, no, no. That's just between you and I, okay? Find one messy person and just simply show them Kindness. We have a bunch of cards on the guest experience table that says, God loves you, and so do we. Grab one and buy a cup of coffee. Grab one, and, and what I do often is I go to Walmart, and we buy a $5 gift card, and I give it to my kids, and they run up to somebody with a God loves you, and so do we card, and they're like, here, here's $5 to your Walmart purchase. And it's like just simple, and they're always like, like, but they can't say no to a kid, so they do it. That's how I get away with it. I make my kids do my dirty work. Do it too. They're great pawns. That's why we do CKAs. That's why we're going to go out into the community and clean toilets. To love everybody. And yes, I know there's going to be times we do, we do two CKAs a month. And so we got to get creative. And so cleaning toilets is oddly creative. <laughs> and in a little bit, we're going to go to some low-income housings later on and, and, and give them just a whole bunch of nice supplies. Not the crud stuff, not the store brand stuff, but 
the nice, nice, nice stuff because they get that other stuff all the time. We want to give them the good stuff because they have worth. So that's on the horizon too. And so I, I want to end with this, this question. If no one is unlovable, then perhaps some of us walked into this room feeling like you're one of those people that I don't have love I am not loved. I have no worth. My prayer is that today you heard a message of hope. My prayer and what I hope to communicate is that you and I are not that different. I don't have a pocket full of stones when you come up here and say, Hey, Jason, I've done this, this, and this. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw them at you now. Because my issue with sin is the same as your issue with sin. It might look different, but it is sin. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to cover and pay the wrath that's supposed to be on me. He took the wrath and satisfied it. So there is no one unlovable among us. I had to have this conversation in in the month of December. I met with a young man he knew a little bit about God, and I explained the whole, the whole gospel to him. And at the end, I was like, man, that was so good. He's going he's gonna to say yes to Jesus right now. Seal the deal. Let's go. He got it all, but he said, Jason, I can't. I can't say yes to Jesus. Well, do you understand he died for you? Do you understand all your sins? are? Yeah, I get it all. Then what is your holdup? Jason, my... I agree that God is loving, but I'm not worthy of such love. He used that word, worth. I had to sit there as as he talked about his past and said, I'm not worthy. I get the love, but that love is great for other people, but not for me. And I sat there and I got angry. I got angry at the enemy that would touch and say such lies because I lived there journaling and saying, I'm useless and worthless and crying all over my journal. I was there in his seat feeling the same lack of worth. And I got angry. I had to look at him and say, that is not your choice. You don't get to decide your worth. Because on the cross, Jesus said you are worth dying for. And so your worth has already been decided it is not your choice. You say yes to Jesus and you are a child of God. As I love my son Landon, Brady, and my daughter Reagan and would do anything for them because they are my kids, you say yes to Jesus and you are his child. Let's sing in that tree.